Trish and Nicole and their expert guests are here to answer all your burning questions about aesthetics procedures, candid discussions and stories of the latest trends and greatest gadgets. From dry vagina to frozen faces, Aesthetics Uncensored, where nothing is off limits. Hello listeners, it's Trish Hammond here coming to you solo today. Actually, I'm not solo. I'm actually going to be speaking to Dr. Matthew Peters. Now, Dr. Matthew Peters is a specialist plastic surgeon and he is one of the plastic surgeons at Valley Plastic Surgery. And now Dr. Peters does, does heaps of uh, body surgery for you know massive weight loss patients weight loss patients so we're going to have a bit of a rundown about that today so um normally i'd be doing this with nicole but she's on a night shift so i'm doing it solo so welcome dr peters thanks for having me oh thanks so much for coming thanks for joining us tonight it was really really great so i know you've had a full-on busy day so before we start how busy has it been at the moment it's the busiest we've ever seen. Well, I've ever seen it. Um, operating four or five days a week at the moment. Um, before before the day starts, I'm pretty much seeing patients or answering phone calls and text messages, and then the evenings are going well into the night. Like it's just really busy. Yeah, it's busy. Yeah, I know. It's just it's just been crazy. Like everyone is just um, I don't know. Everyone just wants to have their operations now. So, <laughs> Well, it's fun. I like operating. I like yeah. new people and doing things. So it's it's good times all around. But exactly. Yeah. Well, look, today I thought it would be really great to talk about, um, number one, the different um, procedures that you do for weight loss surgery patients and people that have lost weight. So basically the skin removal type of surgery, which I know we talk about a lot. But today I wanted us to focus a little bit more on the, the pre, during and post care phase of the surgery. So um, I know that you guys offer, you know, an astounding service there at Valley Plastic Surgery. So so can you kind of like run through it from, say, the beginning? So say, for example, someone comes to see you to decide to have surgery, knows nothing about it, or they may have done a whole heap of research. Like, what's the process or where do, where do we start with you guys? Well, it, it starts well before people even meet me. So reaching out to the clinic, which for a lot of this stuff is based on a referral. Um, so there's word of mouth and there's stuff like that. But GPs and also the bariatric surgeons, if they've ever been involved, have often sent a letter too. And, um, and so they, they reach out to our clinic. Our staff are really good when it comes to uh, answering questions, emails, sending through information, touching base with all of us surgeons here um, if there's any queries or concerns otherwise. And, um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of sort of interaction well before the patient arrives. Um, we're doing a few exciting things even with a few apps type things that's all coming in the next few months um, so some patients have been trialed on that so they have access to info and resources well before they even arrive um, but then of course on the day when they first come and meet me uh, the the process involves obviously interacting with our front desk staff and then coming through to my room and and I run through their story what their concerns are um, I talk to them about what I can do, what that would entail. Is it something we can do in one operation? Does it require multiple? But importantly, I run them through what to expect and, and what sort of follow-up is, is going to happen. And, um, and one of the things that I find uh, all patients appreciate is uh, just an explanation of 
no, when we're going to catch up, uh, one week, three weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks, and six months post-op and anything in between is a pretty routine saying from my mouth. Um, and part of that is meeting with me, of course, but um, in between here and there, meeting with our nurses. And so I always introduce the patients when they first come through to our nursing staff so that they've got some familiar faces and, um, and the staff there will give them even more information. Uh, and be involved in all of their garments and photos and, and you know, it starts a process of developing good rapport. Yes. So, yeah, so they meet all the nurses when they come through. And, um, yeah, and then, and then obviously there's feedback from myself to the front desk staff. So everyone's kept in the loop when it comes to why the patient's here and what they're, what they're having done and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so that's all the, the pre and then, the, and, then, and then obviously the consultation um, it's, I always stress to every patient that the door's open when it comes to uh, having more questions answered. And so, you know, I often will flag that first time I meet with someone sometimes can, can prompt more questions to arise as when they get home and when they're talking to their partners and friends about what I've described. Uh, and so to write them all down and, uh, and it's frequent for me to meet with people for a second time, uh, whether that be in person or just a phone call or a video consultation if people from, are from regional areas or, or interstate. Um, and then, yeah, and then, and then, of course, there's all the post stuff, uh, which is, is, you know, it starts, well, I meet people on the day of surgery, of course, and, and then we move forward with the operation and then, touching base with them, I'll often send text messages or ring uh, their next of kin and, and I stress to them, you know, my phone number and every patient has my number um, in their discharge planning stuff and, and I usually give it to their relatives, as I just said, and stress that they put it in their phone and save it so that if there's any issues when they get home, they can reach out to me directly. Um, and then, yeah, seeing the patient in hospital and, making sure that I'm, I'm aware of where they're up to and, and controlling what's happening with their medications and their drains and, and their mobility and, and being a, a driver of their discharge planning and, and then, yeah, setting things up for when they come back through the room. So, yeah, the whole journey is, is very hands-on. Yeah, yeah. And it has to be, hey, because the patient really needs to feel that, um, that care and that nurture and that everyone that's a part of the team knows what's going on, hey, Oh, very much so. And, um, and, and that's the thing. I, I once was a patient myself and I remember the surgeon saying to me that, you know, the most important room, most important person in the room is the patient at any one time and the most important person in a surgeon's life is the patient um, that they're thinking about. And, and I am constantly thinking about my patients and who's in the hospital and how they're going and we're just, I'm just primed the whole time. It's, it is really important to be thinking of what they're up to and being part of that of that duty of care and that process yes. as the it's really yeah for sure and so if we go back to the beginning like because I know for a fact myself like uh, when you go to have a consult you're so excited you finally got your appointment and you go in there and you've got you, you know you may or you may not have questions and and usually you've just got stars in your eyes for the end result or you know or the fact that you know yes this is the doctor that I want to go and see this is the, the you know the person's going to cut me up and make me better um so so from even from that beginning phase like as a patient you forget stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, a, oh, yeah, yeah. Us, yeah. you know, a million things. So, so do you? Do they go away with information, or, or um, I know you're obviously starting something 
coming up really soon with with an app, it sounds like, which sounds really exciting. Um, but so even with that prep stage, they have stuff to go away with. Like they should kind of know that is this the day you're having surgery and this is how long it'll be and this is what you'll be wearing? Like is there? Yeah, as well? well, that's, um, I mean, there's elements that I'm obviously walking them through when it comes to the surgery and, and I'll, I'll often run them through the day. So I'll say, look, you know, you're going to arrive to the hospital, we're going to go through all the nursing and admin checks and eventually you'll meet me and, and we go through all the drawings. This is what I'm going to draw. And, um, and I run them through how they're going to go to the theatre. I basically describe the day so it's not foreign when they first arrive because the biggest thing with going through all this is anxiety. Um, and so trying to relieve that. So they've got a concept. And then, and then yeah, when they, when they leave my room, they leave with all those diagrams and all that information but then they do meet my nursing staff and the nurses give them a, a pre-prepared um, pre-operative information pack uh, which includes all the information they need to think about when it comes to you know the surgery and nutritional things that they might need to think about there's a lot of people that take supplements some of which can be harmful uh, for surgery and bleeding so there's there's all sort of written instructions about that there's guidance about Know, recovery and and what to do with gym memberships and when to slow things down and, and when to get back in the pool and there's all these things that people can plan uh, and then yeah when it comes to the administrative side of it um, depends on the complexity of what we're doing some of the big multi multi procedures if someone's self-funding or other things when it comes to uh, health insurance stuff um, the quotes and the like can be a little complicated and take a day or two to put together but if something is straightforward we can often give them what we call informed financial consent, which is a breakdown of, of everything that they need to be uh, aware of when they're, when they're going through surgery or considering proceeding and, uh, and lots of information in that regard so that they can digest that and, and work that out. Um, scheduling is a common discussion point. So the staff will run through bookings and, and what's available and, and, and people will book in then or they'll take away a few dates and bring back. So, yeah, it's, it's all the usual information stuff so people can just make decisions and work out if they're right for them and, and move forward. Yeah, fantastic. And and so you run out of a few different hospitals in Brisbane, don't you? Yes. C- can you give us a rundown of which ones they are? So for ones where people need to stay in hospital, I operate at Brisbane Private Hospital and Northwest Private Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it comes to day surgery stuff, uh, they can be done, obviously, in both of those hospitals, but I also operate at Chermside Day Hospital and North Lakes Day Hospital. Okay, so there's a nice little variety kind of around. Actually, it sounds like you're doing the travelling, not the patient. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, it's amazing. Like I've been in private practice for a while now and and I think it's as streamlined as I can possibly make it when it comes to things for patients but also just my running around and so everything everything's pretty organized it's good i like it yeah i'm a bit like that too i like to to know exactly what i'm doing pretty much every step of the way um all right so that then like people go to hospital um they have their treatment and um i know i've been in hospital before and i've been and had surgery where a, a doctor hasn't come in to see me but then i've been and had surgery where the doctor comes in every day as long as i'm there and and i'm guessing you're the everyday doctor yeah, so 
I'm in a hospital every day of the week, um, including Sundays, um, and I run around and, and some patients will be surprised to see me. There's a lot of people that actually think that weekends are, are precious for surgeons and doctors and, and are very surprised when we drop in and say hello. Yeah. Um, the only time I ever don't sort of turn up um, is if I'm stuck somewhere else operating, um, and that's really rare. I usually try and make it a massive priority to get around and see everyone every day. Um, today, for example, I, I went to Northwest Private this morning and saw two belt lipectomy patients that were inpatients there, um, and then uh, came to the rooms. I called Brisbane Private uh, to sort of just touch base about a couple of patients that I've got up there, and, and I'll drop through after this to go and check on their progress and set things up uh, for tomorrow, and I'll see them again tomorrow morning. Um, I'm at Brisbane Private tomorrow. So, yeah, it's just part of the day is, is making sure that, it's not just all the operating it's it's just the it's the aftercare it's very important to be in yeah. control of it and and know what's going on and making changes when it comes to everything so people heal and and recover well yeah yeah that's so true and and i think there's nothing worse than well, especially now with covid the fact that um i don't know about your hospitals but but um do they even let visitors in i think people are kind of out there on their own now aren't they? Because the hospitals aren't really letting visitors in. Is that, is that right or is that just... Yeah, that's, it's been on and off, but at the moment visitors aren't allowed. Yeah. And, um, and I know that you know, with one of my patients that I operated on on Friday, it, it, that, was a, that was a big thing and he was really, really vocal about that, telling me how that was a concern to him. And, you know, we were working through setting up FaceTime and using that as an avenue to touch base with his partner, so... Yeah, like it is, it's a big concern at the moment. The, you know, it, going through surgery is stressful enough, feeling as if you're doing it sort of solo or in isolation and not seeing your loved ones would be pretty stressful, I reckon. Um, yeah. And yeah, and it's, and so being sort of that familiar face that they get to know and, and then sort of, you know, see them every day, it's almost, you know, like it is a visit and it's, and it's, you know, hopefully, Know, trying to spend some time and, and make sure they're, they're okay. And, yeah, especially during COVID where they can't otherwise have people that they can just, you know, see and, and relax around. Yeah, yeah so true. And, and, um, and I guess for a patient having a surgery at the end of the week, like um, when the weekend comes, you, you know, you kind of want to know that, you know, you can reach someone if you're in that situation, you're just feeling, um, you know, because like, sometimes family are not always supportive of the surgery that you've had it's pretty much just yourself and maybe your friend and and um and your doctor and if that friend is taken out of the equation well then you're just relying on yourself and and the doctor that you've chosen their team to actually you know make you feel you know make you feel like yeah. you're okay yeah no well, I, I i make a point as i said and I, and I think it is important um you know i make a point of seeing my patients as much as i possibly can and and being accessible and I, I stress to all of them. I've had the same mobile phone number for over 25 years now and um, and I just think that it's really important that they have it in the post-op period. I talk to them all about reaching out to my nursing staff during normal business hours just because I can sometimes be operating for really long periods of time and be hard to, to get a hold of. But yes. other than that, when it comes to after hours, um, I, I just stress that they just ring me directly or send me a message. And, um, and that all sort of, when I first started it, was something I didn't, didn't do straight away. It was sort of 
people would sort of, you know, talk about how you run your practice and stuff. But I, I had a night where I had the Royal Brisbane Emergency ring me just saying, oh, we've got a patient of yours here. And they'd been waiting there for three hours in a public emergency department. And it was a really, yeah, and it was a really, it was an eye-opening experience for me because the problem they presented with was really straightforward. And, and if I had been, if I had made my mobile number known to them, they could have just sent me a message or rung me and said, hey, I'm worried about this. And it could have been a reply that stopped them you know, having to go to a hospital and, and, you know, going to a hospital, especially if someone has young kids and family, the coordination involved in that sort of stuff can be enormous. So, yeah, I made a decision many years ago um, to just include my details so that people have access all the time and, and, you know, just reaching out so that I can handle things when they're small things, I can relieve stress about the small things, you know, and, yeah, it, yeah. it's just the way that I've played it ever since. And yeah. do I get harassed? Do I get... I was going to say, you're getting those three o'clock in the morning phone calls or... No, I don't. Everyone's really... Everyone knows. Respectful. Like, really yeah. respectful. And, um, you know, I'll, it's only occasionally that I'll get someone who sort of sends messages at, at funny times of the night, but I'm, I'm sort of awake most of the time anyway. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Um, most people are really good and, and the, the text messages are pretty funny at times. They're quite sorry to disturb you, but and some of the things, you know, I'll send through photos and, and you know, it, it just works. So yeah. it's a way that, I've, that I like to run my practice now and I think it just, it's a good, it's a good arrangement. I think it works. Yeah, and I think people really appreciate it as well because it, um, it gives them that, um, that comfort you know, to know that, um, you know, if I'm having a meltdown because I'm in extreme agony and, you know, the painkillers aren't working or whatever, I, I, you know, I can actually, you know, actually speak to you who actually has some, you know, you can actually speak to the nurses or in the hospital and say, hey, you need to up this dose or whatever, do you know what I mean, rather than just lie there in pain and not be able to get through to anyone. Yeah, and that, that to me is just... I just couldn't imagine doing that to someone anymore, to be mm. honest. Yeah, to find out about something a week later, uh, you know, I, I went, had to get this person and call the emergency this and do that. And I just, I just couldn't handle that person. Mm. Mm. I, I like to um, instill in people that you know it's a relationship, and and it's and the doctor-patient relationship is that it's a you know, you're the doctor and you you look after people, and and yeah. that's how I like to play it. Yeah, totally. And so let's let's now move on to the after care. Like, um, let's use the example of if someone had, say, I, I know you do a lot of, um, uh, let's say, um, let's should we do body lift or tummy tuck? Yeah, 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 that's fine. Yeah, all right. So say someone's had a tummy tuck they've been in for. Uh, uh, first of all, do you use drains in every tummy tuck? I do. Okay, I cool. Do, so, drains. Yeah. All right. So they've got drains in and they're um, overnight in hospital and it's, you know, day two um, or whatever and, and um, you know, you're doing surgery with someone else and they've just had a complete meltdown or whatever or don't know what to expect because, um, like, I've found that day three and day five is the, the, the hard days after surgery. I don't know what it is, but it's just like, I don't know, your emotions are just all over the place and, you know, you may not have remembered what a doctor said about when, you know, when he's coming next time or, you know, why am I in pain and what am I going to do? What's happening next? What's happening to me? How would, how would a patient of yours deal in that situation? Because you must have had people that, have, that, that that's happened to, hey, you've just had a complete 
meltdown and, and like, oh, my God, you know, what have I done and, you know, why am I feeling all this pain? What's happened? Yeah, no, but especially happens with breast augmentation, to tell you the truth. They, they are really sore on day two, day three. Um, majority of them, not, not all of them, but a lot of people feel discomfort and and the result, they sort of look down, everything's swollen. And yeah, that, that, that's common with breast augmentation. And they're often at home alone. They're not surrounded by nurses and they don't have support. So yeah, that, that's the subgroup that, that that rings true for. And and I, during every consultation with them, I, I, I tell them that this is what happens and, and be prepared for that sort of thing. And um, and stress to them again that the nurses in my practice, myself, are all available. If there's questions, problems, anything that's causing them concern whatsoever, just to reach out. The, the belt lipectomy is the, the abdominoplasties. They're, they're usually in hospital um, still at those time points where things are a little bit emotionally sensitive and um and some people are that way and again i'm 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 aware of that and and i'm trying not to you know rush things or appear rushed i like to sort of just have a an open dialogue that i you know i ask them how they're going and i ask about their pain and ask about things just to try and probe a bit deeper to see if there's anything that they do want to talk about um and i, I think that's really important because They've never had a tummy tuck before. They don't know exactly 100% how they're going to go with it. And, um, and yeah, being, a, being an ear is really important when they're going through that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that group usually is still in a hospital when we're doing that. Um, the occasional patient will go home with drains in, and that's, that's pretty common for me on day three, day four, day five, whatever it might be after a body lift. And, um, and again, seeing these patients every day and sort of pointing out to them, know what to expect and and that you know any concerns i show them my phone point out to them it's there i've got it with me all the time the staff are always available as well so just letting them know that there's 24 7 access to someone that knows everything about them um, is is reassuring and often often sort of settles any anxieties they may have so yeah yeah yeah, and so after surgery, say for example, someone's had a, a belt lipectomy, and they are going home, you know, day three, four, five, whatever it is. What's what's your follow up process? Because obviously, while they're in hospital, you're seeing them every day. Yep. But then, when do they have to come? Or actually, I guess they have to come back to see you when their drains come out. Yeah. So often, well, the way that we do it in our rooms is. I'll look after them when they're in hospital. My nursing staff usually touch base with everyone on their first day post-op. Um, Monday to Friday on weekends, it's all up to me. And then, um, yeah, and then when they're being discharged, um, I, you know, there's all instruction sheets. We've got these bags that have all their post-op garments, all their spares. We've got you know, all these little sort of nice little packs and stuff that we give people. Um, but, it's, but it's got all the details in there to touch base with us. It's routine to get people back, depending if they've got drains, then, yep, we talk to them about what they need to consider with drains and, and my staff touch base with them to see how they're getting on. Um, and then when the values are a certain point, we, we get them into our clinic and we take those drains out. Um, that may be before a week post-op. Other than that, we usually have people coming back at the one-week post-op point just to 
have a good review with the nursing staff because often it's a week after their surgery and I'm operating. It's the following Tuesday, for example, and, um, and so I'm operating again. And uh, the nursing staff in my practice, thankfully, a number of them have been with us for years and so they see my belt patients or all my patients and they're very used to what's normal and not normal. Um, and so they'll just check things over and, and if there's any pain issues, then, then they're on to me. Or if there's any other issues, then they're on to me so that I'm aware and then we can organize scripts and all sorts of stuff to be, to be sent through. Um, and then routinely, depending on what the case is, I've got the patient coming back to see me the following week when we take down dressings and I'm specifically looking at how their wounds are going, how's everything healing. Um, and it's an opportunity to catch up again and just run through things and what's normal, what's not normal. Um, and then giving them advice about how things are going so they can consider driving or other activities around the workplace or at home, what they can safely consider. And then we usually get people back. So if that's in week two or week three, we usually get people back around about week six. And, um, and it's at that point that we're making judgments about garments and, and giving them advice on when they can wear them, not wear them, when to sort of start the weaning out process, um, talk to them about next stage of recovery with relation, in relation to exercise and people returning to gyms or other sort of styles of exercise. And, um, and then I, do, I tape all of my wounds for 12 weeks total. And so I always get people back at week 12 just to check on their scarring and see if we need to consider anything further when it comes to just silicon tapes, gels, other treatments, and uh, you know, including occupational therapists and scar therapists. And as a routine for almost all of my procedures, I'm... I'm thinking about catching up at the six or nine month mark, depending, and especially with the body lifts. Uh, I like to catch up around the six month mark because they can have some loose skin recurrence that might need a little trim. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Arm size, all of that. I'm just watching certain patients and I warn them all that there's just, I set it as tight or as, as you know, I set it as tight as I can, but they can always just stretch out a bit of swelling and they lose the elasticity and, Sometimes they need a little tidy up. So I always check on how they're going, somewhere between six to nine months, depending on their progress. And then I just stress to them, you know, if everything's good at that time point, um, you know, we have got my number and, and they know where we are. Um, I stress to them that we've, you know, for example, we've purchased these premises. We've got plenty of support here you know, and, and all the records are electronic. So we've got their story and they're my patient. And I just stress to them that, you know, reach out if there's any dramas. So that's the way that I usually play it. Yeah, totally. And so say, for example, if there's no drama, you wouldn't really need to see a body lift surgeon, uh, sorry, a body lift patient after a certain amount of time, would you, unless they wanted something else done, I guess? Oh, yeah, and that's that's the thing. We often reach this awkward stage where yeah. you sort of say, hey. A relationship breaker. Yeah, yeah, you sort of say, hey, you're done. And, um, and, and. Yeah, it is a little bizarre sometimes. Um, yeah. I sort of almost prep my patients that, you know, that day is coming. Uh, yeah. Hey, we'll see you at the next review and if everything's good, then, you know, we perhaps can let you go for a while. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but you know, Instagram and stuff is really, you know, all the different social media channels and email and all that stuff and the text message sort of service, I I got a, a text message from one of my patients last week, a photo of him 
with his wife and they were on bikes together and and he's lost over 100 kilos of weight and I cut a further 12 or 13 kilos of skin off him across a number of operations and that's the first time he's ever been on a bike. Yeah, and, right. Wow. And, uh, and you know, so patients just reach out and send photos and messages just saying, hey, you know, I'm six months, I'm 12 months, I'm whatever, post-op. I have lots of women that send me pictures of their babies. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> after, after breast reductions especially. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they've said, yep, I, I can breastfeed and look how chubby she is and all that stuff. Yeah, so, amazing. Yeah, so I just get a lot of that and I think, yeah, certainly you reach a point where they can go, but I do stress that, you know, don't be shy, be a friend, um, reach out if there's problems and, and you know, or just to touch base and let us know how you're getting on. And, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, I, and so nice. for the patient that is the breast augmentation, say, patient, do you have a um, a regular, like they need to come in X amount, you know, because you know, cause you've got to have them check. Like I, I, I believe that you need to, or am I right? Do you need to have your breast implants checked every so often? It's not. It's interesting because it sort of depends on the age group you're dealing with as well. Mm -hmm. And for a routine breast augmentation in someone who, you know, like is mid-20s, I just sort of stress them time points where they may need to reach out. And so, you know, I certainly go through at least a good nine to 12 months of close follow-up just to see that they've healed the way that I expect and they've got the result they want and they don't need any revisionary things. But if there's nothing wrong at all, then I sort of stress to them that I'm available, here's my details, if you notice anything weird and wonderful, um, you know, running through breast implant illness and ALCL and other things to look out for and just making sure they're aware of all of that. Um, so I talk to them about that sort of stuff. So you know, I just encourage them that the door's open. Mm-hmm. Some people like that. Some people just say, hey, great, I'm happy. And if there's any problems, I know where you are, which details I'll reach out to you. I run them through things that might be important to them if they say that. So, you know, if someone's considering having kids, I say, hey, okay, well, if you're going to have kids, just keep in mind, you, you know, breastfeeding shouldn't be a concern. Um, if someone's sort of reaching that age point where um, breast cancer screening is important, you know, 40, 50, somewhere around there, I say, hey, you know, keep in mind, you, you just you need to go through all of that. It's safe to do so. They'll know that you've got implants. They ask questions about that. There's ways to work around them. So mm-hmm. there's things that I'll point out if I get the vibe that someone is is not going to come back in 12 months type thing. But if someone sort of is there going, yep, yeah, okay, great, what next, and, and they want follow-up, then I'll get them to come back 12 months later just to check on them. It's rare for me to just routinely offer uh, or get someone to get an ultrasound unless there's a problem. Um, some people do that. I don't think there's a lot of science. The tech that we've got these days with implants is pretty good. And, um, and an ultrasound is not invasive, but it can be really expensive. Um, mm-hmm. so just doing a routine ultrasound two years post-op, I, I don't necessarily see point of that. But, um, yeah, I sort of just gauge what the patient wants in terms of follow-up and, and make sure they know that I'm accessible whenever. Um, in between if they've got a scheduled appointment or at any time if there's something that they're worried about if they make a decision to move on. Yeah, that's so awesome. It's really, uh, you know, 
as a patient, it's really reassuring because I, I know myself, like, like I said, I have had surgery where I haven't seen the doctor at all and then I have had surgery where the doctors come in um, um, every day. Um, you know, I, ha I have had those days um, where you just, you know, you're in hospital and you just, you know, you're, you, it's a crying kind of place sometimes and you're just like, oh, my God, I'm here alone and nobody cares and that nurse was not very nice and, you, you know, so, so I know what the emotions what emotions the patients must go through. So it's just so good to know that, you know, that you can always pick up the phone and just ring someone, you know, someone that, that's actually in charge of your care rather than, you know, like a family member or a friend who doesn't really, you know, is not a professional, um, but someone who, you know, knows about, you know, what's going on you and is in charge of your care. So, so as a patient, that's really, you know, reassuring. So I respect that so much. <laughs> it's good. I think it's just the way it should be. Yeah, I agree. Well, I've got to say that's um. I feel like I, you know, before I started talking to you, because I, I was really anxious about this topic, and my shoulders were all like tensed up, and now I'm like, ah, oh, I'm all relaxed. I feel, you've made me feel relaxed. <laughs> like I think that should be. I, I know a lot of plastic surgeons and and plastic surgeons that I trained under, the plastic surgeons that you know are part of our training network and stuff like that. They're all good people. Um, you know, a lot of them are members of the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons, Australian Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons, and, and they all hold similar principles and they're all good people. So, yeah, yeah. It, it should be standard of care from, from people that I consider colleagues that are good colleagues. They, you know, yeah. I'd be surprised if they weren't offered that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you 100%. It's really um, because those patients are going to come back and they're going to recommend you know, even if you've done a, they're not, they're going to remember how you made them feel, you know, they don't really care what you say, but they do care how you made them feel. And I think, you know, by doing that, you make them feel cared for, you make them feel important, you make them feel like they matter and you make them feel like, you know, you're working with them, you know, with regards to their healing. And that, that's all people really want, really. Oh, the same good support. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, we've got to say thank you so much for um, this chat. It's been really good and it's been really, really reassuring. And um, as a patient, you know, I haven't been a patient myself, you know, that's what you want. You want that service. So, you know, kudos to you for providing it, you know, and it's really good that, you know, you've told us exactly what you provide as well. Very good. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Lovely. And listeners, look, if you do want to get in touch with Dr. Peters, he is, like I said, at Valley Plastic Surgery. You can look it up. You can get it all over Instagram um, and you can uh, just drop us an email as well if you want to find out. And um, Yeah, so thank you so much for talking to us tonight. Thanks for having me, Trish. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. See you. Bye. Got a burning question for Trish and Nick at Aesthetics Uncensored? Slide into their DMs on Instagram at Aesthetics Uncensored. Stay positive, boobs and chin high.